And I have to remember, God designed our bodies to work well. And so we can do some things to support their ability to work well, but also like we can't avoid living our lives and living in the world and being present because that's going to create so much more stress um, and, and start pushing us to that other extreme of like, it's all on me. Welcome back to the Freely Rooted Podcast. I am your host, Corey, and my co-host Fallon and I have a really special guest on for this episode today, and we're really excited for you guys to tune in. We have actually been sitting on this episode topic for a while now, and really we're waiting for the right fit to come along as far as someone to sit down and discuss this with. And Jordan ended up being that perfect person for this episode, so we're really stoked about it. You might know Jordan Lee Dooley from her podcast, She. Jordan wears many hats, as she likes to say. She's an entrepreneur. She is a best-selling author. She is a top podcaster. And much of her story is actually how she reached all of this success at a very, very young age. But then things kind of crashed after she experienced not one, but two consecutive pregnancy losses, which served as kind of this catalyst for her to uncover some underlying health issues as a result of chronic stress and, you know, operating at kind of this unsustainable pace. And I find that her story is so relatable, whether you are a business owner or a college student or a stay-at-home mom, this concept of just not being aware of the stress that your body is under until you reach total burnout, right? But the deeper reason we wanted someone really special to come on for this episode is to be able to discuss the topic of pregnancy loss with grace and with wisdom and with hope. Because Jordan explains that there is a really delicate balance when it comes to being a woman who has gone through a miscarriage herself, because on one spectrum, there might be a temptation to fall into the belief that your body is broken, or that maybe it just wasn't in, quote, God's plan, unquote, for you to have that baby. And we hear a lot of these cliches um, in the church, just, you know, I guess that's not God's plan, or God needed that baby in heaven. And ultimately, a lot of these cliches that we hear are simply not helpful and they're not rooted in truth. So maybe that's one side of the spectrum. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have this recognition that there is a physiological reason that miscarriages happen. And how do you find the balance between ownership and stewardship of your health and not trying to control each and everything? Um, So this is a really delicate discussion and one that I'm really excited for you guys to listen to. And our hope is that if you relate to Jordan's story, Um, Or if you have walked through a miscarriage yourself, you walk away feeling seen and heard and empowered. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and this thoughtful discussion about pregnancy loss, suffering, and the mind-body-spirit connection. Jordan, welcome to the Freely Rooted Podcast. We are so happy to have you on. Corey and I have loved getting to connect with you over the past few months and love your story. We love all that the Lord is doing through you and your work right now and in your health. And so we're just so honored to have you on. Um, We would love for you to kick us off with a little bit about yourself and tell us about your journey from, you know, you started with an Etsy shop and now you are a best-selling author. So kind of fill us in on the details there of your story and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, thanks for, well, thanks for having me. I've loved your work and it's been fun to follow and get to share it with friends and and gals on the internet. Um, But yeah, I I will give you the quick overview of my story. I was one of those high achieving college students who had to be Dean's List and A plus across everything. And I was overworking myself and I had started to to date my boyfriend, now my husband at the time, and he was a college athlete. And so he played 
college football and was a student. And so he, you know, knew what it felt like to be overwhelmed by your work. And he said, you know, you need a creative outlet, just something to decompress. And at the time I had been doing a lot of hand lettering and doodling and, you know, just drawing things. And a lot of it was like writing quotes and graphic uh, quotes and verses and notes from biology class, like things I wanted to remember. Mm -hmm. And so he said, maybe, maybe you should start an Etsy store. And I remember thinking like, man, for a football player, you're awfully artsy. Like I don't really know what an Etsy store is. <laughs> so I kind of looked into it. And after a couple of months, I decided, yeah, I'll just put a couple things up there, see what happens. Made my mm -hmm. first sale. It was the most amazing thing ever. And that led to this kind of like creative entrepreneurial journey where I picked up various different, I did wedding photography for a little while. I sold on Etsy for a little while. Like I was doing all these different things, but really what I started to notice my social media began to grow as I was storytelling. And as I was writing mm -hmm. captions that people wanted to share on Facebook at the time, it was more Facebook. Um, and then it just kind of evolved and I grew a bigger and bigger community. And that eventually led to speaking on college campuses once I had graduated and going back. This was my like senior year of college. And so once I graduated, I went back and got to speak to college girls on campuses and at church conferences. And eventually that led to self-publishing a devotional. And then that led to a publisher reaching out and publishing my first book. And it just kind of like just snowballed over the couple mm -hmm. of years. And very quickly, I mean, within three or four years, I found myself at 25 with a social media following and a best-selling book and a seven-figure company and wow. all these things that like on paper, I mean, success 30 under 30 features, like all these things that mm -hmm. like would have been my dream. Right. And it's, and yeah. still are, like, they're great things. I was so thankful for them, but it was like on paper, they all looked super successful. But I think in the process, I was also really burning myself out trying to just like achieve the next thing. So mm -hmm. it was interesting how at like 25 ish, I started to realize like, hmm, maybe this isn't like the most sustainable route, but that's kind of the quick overview of the journey from editing yeah. score to author, <laughs> kind of a non linear crazy journey. Well, that kind of leads into like kind of your mission that you have today to help women pursue, well, really like prioritize their health, um, just really cherish their health, like while being able to pursue their dreams. And I guess you kind of touched on this, but like, is that something that came natural to you or was it something that you learned kind of the hard way? And then that's why it became one of your missions to women. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I would say if I, if you would have asked me four or five years ago, if I was healthy, I'd have been like, oh yeah, I run seven miles a day and I eat like 1200 calories and lots of salad. <laughs> and like, I was like, I am like the picture of health. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, like I was healthy in that I was in shape and that I was, you know, trying to eat lean and clean and whatever. Um, but I was also working myself into the ground mm -hmm. and because, because I think the challenge with achieving a dream, even though it's a great thing, is that there's always that like subconscious pressure to outdo your last thing, right? Like, oh, you hit six figures last year. You need to hit more than you need to double that next year. Like, it's just like, it's never enough in our world. And so I really kind of unintentionally got caught up in all that. And, and even as like a follower of Jesus, like it's, it was like, I think what can happen is when you feel like you're working for God too, like not only are you caught up in the achievements, but it's also like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all this like godly work and it's for God. And it's, I, I heard someone say one time, like, no, you don't work for God. You work because of God. And wow. that just like, really shifted my whole like view of it all. But anyway, for several years there, I was just like trying to make things work. And my husband had been in and out of the NFL too. So his career was super yeah. like all over the place. And everyone hears that and they're like, oh, so you were good. You had like tons of money. I'm like, no, you were like the <laughs> Like he took a pay cut from his entry level job to go try to play with the Steelers. Oh like, my gosh. So we didn't have like the big signing bonus and all the things that you think like set you up. And so I think I took on the pressure of like, well, I've got to carry the weight then while he tries to pursue this dream. And it just kind of evolved into, and now I want to achieve the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And eventually I 
ran into kind of a brick wall in some ways. I started to feel really disillusioned with my work, even though I loved it. And I started mm. to feel and annoyed by it. And then, you know, later that year, it was interesting because I launched my book, my first book in 2019, bestseller on like almost all the lists, um, sold out a national book tour. Like it was all the things I could have hoped it would be and more. And wow. then later that year, we found out our, we were pregnant with our first, like literally at Christmas time. And I was like, this year couldn't be more perfect. Like this is, mm-hmm. everything is falling into place. Like our life is awesome, right? And then a month later, ended up walking through an unexpected loss. Mm-hmm. And I was actually in the ER on Christmas Eve and oh being like, we'll probably lose this baby. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, it just completely blindsided me. And then did end up losing the baby in January. Two months later, got pregnant again, carried into the second trimester, early second trimester, found out I lost again. And mm-hmm. that was just like so jarring and shocking to me. And it really sent me on this journey to start going, what is going on? Like I'm 25 years old. I'm healthy, right? Like, and, like I, and I, and I was in the grand scheme of things, but there were a lot of things I didn't realize. Like I, once I started looking into my health journey, I think that really served as like a catalyst to go, hold on, pause. Yeah. I'm not working sustainably. <laughs> Maybe I need to uncover some things. And I always try to emphasize, like, I don't think that I lost my babies because I was burned out or because I did mm-hmm. something like I, that's not what I'm saying. But if anything, it just kind of served as this, like, it really was jarring. And sometimes it mm-hmm. takes like a really jarring experience or something that's, and I was also struggling with chronic acne. I had been struggling with adult acne for years. So those things together, I was like, there's some smoke alarms going off, like mm. pause everything, hold the phone. And so I took a long break from, cause when we first lost the first baby, doctors tell you like, oh, that's just like a fluke. It won't happen again. You're young, you're healthy. But then when it happened again and further along, I was, and I had a lot of complications, I was just at a point where I was like, no, I'm not messing around. Like I want to get to the bottom of this. So I took a long time to really just dig into not only testing like what could possibly be causing loss but also just saying let me get a full picture of Mm. where I'm at like you know um and that was where I started to uncover things like severe adrenal fatigue an Mm. underactive thyroid like when I was pregnant I would be shaking and cold and my hair would fall out in clumps and like that's not supposed to happen um and various different things and so that was where I was like and I had hormonal imbalance issues that were, and gut issues that were affected, you know, contributing to acne. I just started to like piece by piece over the course of a year or so, like uncover a lot. And then that set me on a healing journey. Once I got some answers, mm-hmm. some of it, you know, definitely probably could contribute to pregnancy such as thyroid stuff, but others of it is just like my overall health and well being. And I was like, man, I've got to change the way I work. I've like, mm-hmm. it, I, I, not only just for my own health, but eventually to be more conducive to motherhood anyway, like I can't go at this pace and expect everything to just like you know, be like to be thriving. Like I am surviving at this point. And so that's really, it really served not only the losses, but also uncovering some of those answers served as a catalyst to my own health journey and sharing bits and pieces of that and learning just through feedback I was getting online, how many women are like running at this unsustainable pace because we're being told you should want to have it all. Like, Mm -hmm. and you can't have it all. And it's, and all at the same time, by the way, you know, and it's like, (laughs) then life happens and something, you know, because really December of 2019, I thought I had it all. I had just launched a best-selling book. I have a successful company. I was able to bring my, like my husband stopped working and he was able to come work with me and we were going to have a baby and like, and then everything fell apart mm-hmm. and the world kind of fell apart later. A few, few months later, it's like right. and everything. And so there were so many broken dreams that, you know, I've had to learn how do I pursue dreams sustainably in a way that prioritizes my health and well-being, even if that means I get there slower, mm-hmm. even if that means like we backdated my second book a whole year because I thought there's no way I can like force this out any sooner. So it's just interesting how in my own journey, it's really informed. There's so many ambitious women who 
are struggling to prioritize their health and well-being because they're chasing the next thing they can achieve because that's what the mm-hmm. world wants them to achieve. Whether that is to achieve something in their family, because I even turned pregnancy into something to achieve and motherhood into something mm-hmm. to achieve. Um, as like a goal to set, right? It's like the next milestone you check off. And so that was like a big thing that I've, that the Lord's been teaching me. But yeah, I think as an ambitious go-getter, and I think we all are in our own ways, because if we're determined to do anything meaningful in the world, I think that's called ambition. I don't think you have to want to break glass ceilings and wear high heels and like, you know, be the whole like picture of a boss babe, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think we all have our own ambitions. And I think as ambitious women who have constant pressures to do all the things, we can really drive ourselves into a place of unsustainable living and not even realize we're doing it because we're being told like, yeah, you can do it all and you can have it all. And we don't even know how to identify what is the right thing for me? And what are the things I should be doing in this season? Because life really comes in phases. And so all of that has really informed my mission. Mm -hmm. I just love how the Lord has brought so much redemption in your story. And I think you know, so many of us can relate to that. Not all of us, of course, are like best-selling authors that have burned ourselves out, you know, just, you know, climbing ladders and it, the Lord has given you so many beautiful gifts. But I think to an extent, each woman listening can probably relate to this struggle of like trying to do it all, trying to have it all, trying to live up to the next person. Um, and it's it's often when we have experiences like this, right? Either when our health comes crashing down, our life comes crashing down, those are the moments when we do have some sort of revolutionary discovery. Either the Lord gives us, um, you know, a message of some, um, of some kind that is, you know, either that we need to slow down or we need to trust him, whatever that is. And so I love, I, I just really love that you've been able to translate your journey and your hardship into speaking to so many women. And I'm curious now, you know, because you have this whole history of trying to marry Um, ambition with, you know, taking care of yourself and trying to overcome, you know, hustle culture, but also be successful. How do you balance all of this? You know, as a woman who is doing so many different things right now, I know you've talked about, you know, safe families on your Instagram and, you know, you're having a book that's launching soon. You know, you've got a lot of things you're juggling right now. How do you find the ability to rest while pursuing your dreams? Yeah. You know, I've really had to learn the art of rhythms, um, with my mm, so days, but also just within my months and my years. And so I think what I used to do is just like chronically push, like I would plan out the whole year and we would do the thing. And I think what I've had to really implement, like, for example, this past summer, I actually shrunk my team, which was unexpected because we were growing. And I kind of realized I was like, I don't think I actually want to grow this fast or this much. I don't need to like, and it's actually stressing me out to feel like I have to keep growing, adding new people and paying more people. Like Matt and I sat down, my husband and I sat down and he was like, what do you actually really enjoy doing about your work? And what's the most, like, what's creating the most, uh, like, fruit? And not only in the impact you're making, but also when it comes to income. So we can be, be really strategic with where you're spending your time. And so anyways, just some projects that I have been doing that I was like, these are not really necessary and I don't actually really enjoy them. And I don't have to grow at a breakneck speed. And mm-hmm. so I actually shrunk the team, which seemed like a step backwards. Um, we backdated my book a whole year. Um, we just... I guess I just really adopted this mindset of like, it doesn't all have to be done today. It can be right. done in a, at a slower pace and it's actually better for it. Like I'm clearer on my mission and my work and the projects I do take on, the book is better for it. It's got a stronger message than it would have had we released it a year earlier. Um, so what I mean by that is like, I'm not saying you just like sit back, do nothing, but I, I, I definitely took the summer to do nothing but post on social media. I, I just batched a bunch of stuff and I posted it and I wasn't launching things. I wasn't creating new, pro- I was literally just, I spent June to the end of August, pretty much just living my life and posting on social and maintaining the podcast that I had and preparing for my book launch a year later, but nothing new. So I, I just, I think that summer, it was almost like an experiment for me to learn, like, can I 
work in shorter bursts rather than just chronically because the reality is like when we pursue a goal there are moments and times and short seasons that do require a little bit more like I'm in a busier season now but I feel like I can sustain that because I gave myself three or four months earlier this year to like really slow down so it can happen in bigger chunks like that but I also try to implement it weekly so we try to take a full 24 hours off our devices every single weekend so that even in a busy season it's like there's not that much for me to be doing on my phone on Saturday to be honest it's my lowest engagement time like just with the work I do and so just giving a 24 hour like break like that creates this rhythmic rest that gets implemented even into busier seasons so you can do it in bigger ways or you can do it in smaller ways but the, the rhythms, I think, really makes a big difference. And then just being intentional about like, okay, I'm not going to be on my phone till 11 p.m. Like, I'm going to try to be off two hours, one to two hours before I go to bed as consistently as I can. I'm going to get a full eight hours. Like, even in a busy season, we can prioritize those little disciplines and those rhythms that really can make a huge difference. I love that. I love that so much because that's applicable to everyone. Um, even if there's not something like a product that you're necessarily necessarily putting out right now, you could be like a stay-at-home mom but be caught up in this like season of busyness. Yeah. And just like putting so much on your plate. And, um, you know, if you're listening and you haven't listened to our libido episode, there is a section in there where my friend Caitlin talked about this concept. Like she had two kids back to back and she was just really caught up in like doing all the things and like just was able to reflect back on that season and go like, wait, I was totally checked out, like checked out emotionally, checked out from being like present with my children um, and getting in those like rest cycles was very helpful for her as well. And I know that a lot of people can, uh, can relate to that. Um, well, so go ahead. Summer, I was just gonna say taking like a summer off or a month off and say like, no, we're not going to do all of these activities. We're each going to get one, you know, or just like simple limits. I just think we have to learn the power of limits and the power of like, we often talk about boundaries and I feel like that's great boundaries in terms of saying no to other people, but sometimes we have to learn to say no to ourselves. Like, no, mm. I'm not going to scroll three more minutes or no, I'm not going to okay. be, you know, like it's just, it's these, I'm not going to be available, you know, for X, Y, or Z. I think it starts with saying yes. Well, it actually starts with saying yes to ourselves and no to the things we think we want to do, if that makes sense. It's yes. Wow. To yeah. Health. So that's where I'm like, in the example you brought up, like it could just be as simple as like, you know what? No, this fall, we're going to keep our extracurricular activities simpler, you know, and we're not going to take on all the 12 things we did last year. So that way in the winter, when winter sports start, we do have a little bit more, you know what I mean? It's just like Mm -hmm. even getting that rhythm into your household and your family, whether you have children or not, can make a huge difference. And like, even what you brought up earlier, Fallon with Safe Families, that's a volunteer program we're a part of, but you know, now we are taking a couple of months to not do that because realistically we can't be hosting while I'm trying to launch a book and we're traveling and six things going on. So it's just knowing like what's the right season. It was great for Mm -hmm. us all when we were home and it was a slower pace and only had one project to work on. So it just depends and it's just knowing your season. And that's like a big part of being able to prioritize your health and well-being, even as you pursue big dreams, whether those are to build a family or to create a company or to do something else. Like I just, I think knowing your season and understanding that not everything has to happen in this season is Mm. really where the magic is. I love that. Yeah, that's profound. Um, I'm very curious, like what it was going back to like the season where you reached burnout and then were able to kind of zoom out and look at your life as a big picture. Was it like, did someone reach out to you? Did you find this on your own? Like, how did you, how did you start pursuing like your health and all of this? Well, I'm probably, 
I'm one of those people that's like, oh, something's wrong. Let's do everything. So I just mm-hmm. started reading all the books. Like to, I, I had like seven different doctors and like providers I was talking with to the point where it was like too many cooks in the kitchen. And my mom finally was like, you need to chill. Like calm down. Like, <laughs> Um, but like she was honestly my mom was really pivotal and just walking through this with me as well just because her advice was like one thing a day and Mm -hmm. she actually gave me that advice after my second loss I want to say where I was just like so like numb and kind of brain dead and I was just like I don't even know how you go back to life after something like this Mm -hmm. like I was just so and I think sometimes when we're feeling really crappy even if you haven't walked through a loss or tragedy or anything like sometimes those times where all of a sudden we just are like oh my gosh, there's so much I have to do or I want to change or work on. It can feel really overwhelming. And so not only when I just went through the loss, but also as I started getting answers and realizing the things that I needed to work on in terms of health, um, it was interesting because I started to just try to do it all. And it was almost interesting because the same problem that created the burnout and the adrenal fatigue in the first place, I started to apply to my health journey. I was like, we got to do this and we got to do that. And we got to check this off. And it just became this like chronic hustle to heal my health. And that was like backwards of what I needed to be doing. And so my mom gave me this advice of do she, her original advice was give, do one normal thing a day. And this was when I was trying to mm-hmm. like, just like move forward from a grief experience. Um, and so that looked like, I'm going to go for a walk today. I'm going to fold my laundry today. I'm going to call my friend today. I'm going to go to dinner today. Like just normal things to try to get back in the swing of life. But I was able to apply that way of thinking to the journey that I went on. Um, and so I started to kind of simplify, but I guess to your main question, I almost jumped into the deep end to where I was like trying to follow seven different, like I went whole 30 and then I thought I was supposed to like do whole 30 for a whole year. Mm. So I <laughs> did whole 30 for like ever. Um, and I was like super miserable and like in a food jail. Um, right. and so, you know, I, I started with a functional doctor that was super helpful to get some initial answers. And I think that's a great place to start if you're just like, I just need some initial testing. But then it was like, I tried to do all the things to heal it at one time and I really overwhelmed myself. So I had to kind of shift my mindset on like the approach and my mom helped a lot with that. God bless your mom. (laughs) Yeah. She definitely helped me kind of go, how do we take the information we're getting and apply it in a way that you can actually sustain because it's Mm -hmm. the same problem. I think in our health journeys, we can go, oh my gosh, there's so many things I didn't realize I was, I need to do, or that I could be improving and look at all. And and you can almost go so extreme so fast, you know, and kind of what originally happened. I think part of it was that I was just like so desperate to try to avoid anything going wrong again, just Mm. because I had experienced a lot of trauma. So, and, and I think I had to learn the hard way, like, you know, okay, I can do all the right things and things can still go wrong. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't done anything wrong. I was just trying to optimize and improve my health. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of let go of this idea of like, if I just do this, 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 and this, everything will work out again. You know what I mean? So it's, it's been a long, like refining journey ultimately with the Lord, but I definitely did work with like a functional doctor and my mom was a big Mm -hmm. uh, encouragement in that process. And I worked with a dietitian and then a couple of dietitians, um, and then I did a Dutch test through a dietitian and that was able, that was what kind of helped me understand like, oh, this is where I'm actually at in terms of cortisol mm-hmm. or adrenal fatigue. And then that eventually led to reading some books. I started learning about pro-metabolic, somebody referred me to your podcast. And that was kind of just how I started to find a more balanced approach and to be able to do it in a more sustainable way. But yeah, it started with like a functional doctor and a few dietitians. Yeah, that's amazing. I am curious. I know you had support, you know, from your mom in the season, but I, I would like to know what your community directly and then kind of the church at large, like what was their response to your suffering? Because, you know, I think, I think when we zoom in to community, you know, the people really close to us are often very good at supporting us and walking, you know, with us through suffering in a, in a very 
um, healthy way. But I think, you know, something Corey and I have been talking about consistently is that sometimes we feel like the church is approaching things that are um, related to suffering physiologically and, um, you know, physically often, like sometimes those conversations are kind of lacking and they're kind of like missing the point almost. So just as a small example, you know, I remember when I was really, really deep in my days of severe anxiety attacks and I just, you know, I was having like insomnia and panic attacks and I, it was just miserable. And I feel like the only response I ever got was, you know, are you praying more? You know, have you taken this to the Lord? Are you bringing it before your community? And I'm like, yes, I'm doing all of those things. And I think that there was a physiological component that my body was asking for nutrients and it was asking for more food and it was asking for support. And I think that the church tends to kind of do this to a lot of issues that have anything to do with our body that we kind of separate the health piece from the spiritual piece. And I think you can't, I think you can't with a single thing that we experience in our bodies that we have to combine those conversations. So all that said, I'm, I'm curious what your experience was with the church's response during, you know, just these really hard pregnancy losses. Yeah, it's a good question. I definitely had some fam. I mean, my, my mom was like, my mom and my husband were like the ultimate rocks in many ways. Mm. My husband had to go through his own grieving process once I was like stable. Cause there was definitely a point where I was not stable. Mm. Um, and then um, but when, and, and I definitely had some good friends come around me and like be very supportive, but I also struggled with it because I definitely felt like I was the only one in my friend group. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of the youngest of a lot of my local friends, at least I was at the time. And so a lot of them had at least one child at that point. And so it was this weird thing where I almost kind of felt like I couldn't even have the conversation with them. Um, mm-hmm. So there was that part where I was like, you literally couldn't even understand. So why would, I? And, and to be honest, like if I, if I was honest with myself before I walked through it, I remember my approach to it was kind of like, oh, that's sad, but like kind of like a get them again next time, you know? And so I got a lot of, um, you know, I even remember a very specific comment being made that was like, um, can you imagine getting through this without the Lord? Mm. And actually what was interesting is I wanted to be like, yeah, at least I wouldn't feel personally betrayed. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was the whole, like there was kind of this assumption that that makes it easier mm. to know God in it. And while there's the comfort of knowing like my babies are in heaven, we're not separated forever. Like there is that piece. There's also this piece of like, why would you do that? You know? And so I don't think that the church really understood the huge wrestling that can happen on the spiritual side when it comes to like, you don't just pray away things or you don't just like think, oh, because God's like, because I believe in God, it makes it easier like in fact it can add a whole layer of complication to suffering and it's something you have to wrestle through and then on the physical side like you mentioned um yeah I especially as I started on my health journey a lot of people were like it's in God's timing it's in God's hands like and and there is a spiritual truth to like like what I mentioned like I can't I've had to accept the fact too that like okay I can do all the right things and things can still go wrong and I have to like Mm -hmm. understand that it's not all in my hands and I think sometimes when we go on our health journey we think I can just like manipulate and control and fix and it's all going to be great Mm -hmm. so I find the more balanced approach but it really drove me crazy at first when I was like no but I do need to take some steps to heal my adrenals and to support my thyroid and like you know nourish my body well because it's screaming at me from acne to loss to every to to extreme fatigue and everything else I was experiencing and I just I think it made me feel very discouraged to hear like, basically it felt like, well, what you do with what you eat doesn't matter. Mm. And I'm like, what, what, you know, with how much you, any efforts you make really won't impact this. And whether it was loss or just like health in general, it was almost like, 
yeah, exactly what you said. It's kind of like those things can't be separated. And there would definitely be comments that made it overly spiritualized to the point where I was like, there is a physical component to this though, just so you know, like <laughs> sleeping and eating and all that. Um, and so I actually found this book called Love Thy Body. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's no. powerful. Yeah. I forgot what the, who the author is. I'd have to look it up again. Um, but it, it definitely does a really good job. Um, oh, it's called Love Thy Body, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality by Nancy Piercy. Mm. Um, that basically just like intimately details and so well articulates the undeniable connection of body and soul or body and spirit, body and person. And so the spiritual journey is just as much a physical one. And the physical journey is just as much a spiritual one. And it's how, I mean, it talks about everything from life beginning to the difficult, thing. like, I mean, it, it's powerful. So I, I would recommend that book to anyone who's struggling with this separation of like, well, my body's struggling, but like my soul over here is it's like, those things really do go together. And it really, that was a helpful resource to me after um, hearing different comp that made it sound like, oh, well, it's just not in God's timing. And I, and I would want to rebuttal that. I'd be like, if it's not in God's timing, why would he make me pregnant? You know, like, and I don't know the answers to those things. There's things we'll never know the answers to on this side of heaven. But my point is the cliche over-spiritualized comments, I don't think are helping anyone. And so I just would say to anyone listening, like if you've experienced that and you felt like your health journey has been discredited by those who want to just make it a solely spiritual one, mm-hmm. just be encouraged and knowing that they don't have to be separated and they really shouldn't be separated. Totally. Cause I think that, um, with the spiritual component of it, it's almost like these cliches that are said, assume that God is like somewhere up in the sky and like looking down and just kind of deciding who he's going to like, um, like gift the gift or like give the gift of pregnancy to, and like, for what reasons? Like, and, and then what does that say about us? Like, does it mean I didn't do something? Like I'm not good enough for like God to choose or the gift of a live birth or anything else? Like totally. Yeah. Totally, in or anything that you're hoping for in your in your health journey. Yeah, I think that like these conversations are so important for that exact reason. Because like if that's true, like it just there are so many more questions that come up as a result of that that need that need to happen for people to find clarity on where they're walking spiritually. Because what happens with that cliche is when a when somebody goes through any kind of suffering, they feel. Um, this separation from God, like this, like, like, oh, I like, he's punishing me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like, um, to what you were saying earlier, like the over spiritualization of it leaves stewardship out of the conversation. And I would love to hear how you define stewardship for your body right now. Yeah, that's a really good question because there is a line, you know, you can swing into extremes where you can swing into the extreme of, well, my efforts don't really matter. It's ultimately up to God to heal me. And so therefore I'm just going to do nothing or I shouldn't do much because then I'm trying to control. Right. So that's the one mindset. The opposite mindset is holy cow. I have to do everything because there's so much that's messed up and I've got to fix it all. And I think there's this medium where it says, where you kind of acknowledge like, okay, there are some things that could be improved. The Lord made my body. It is a good body because he says that everything he makes is good. And I need to steward it as an image bearer of Christ or of of the Lord, like ultimately. And so what does that look like? It, to me, it looks like doing the things that are within your realm of control, um, in a way that is an act of worship. Mm. And what I mean by that is if God were standing here and like, I could physically see him, I would want to say like, let me prepare a a meal that stewards this body you've given me. Thank you. Mm. It's in response as a thank you. Mm. And Maybe sometimes that looks like I need to educate myself on how I best do that. 
right? Mm -hmm. So like, there's not just the like what you're doing, sometimes it's what you're learning and what you're, and where you're learning that from. Um, and so I think the mindset of if he were, you know, in my kitchen with me right now, I'd want to make us a meal that we can enjoy. I would want it to be something that fuel that fuels us well, that feels good. Um, but also I don't want to sit there like grasping so tightly at like every perfect thing that I turn it into this tense, unenjoyable experience. And so I try to visualize that sometimes when I'm in like relationship, because there was a point where I was eating so restrictively and doing so like following so many rules to the point where I was like, not even wanting to go out to dinner with friends and be in community. And I'm like, community mm -hmm. is like, and a stewardship of your health isn't just what you're eating or what you're doing for exercise or how you're sleeping. It's also the community you're involved in and like the laughter you have and like the soul health that comes from worship and being in community with others. And if your stewardship like is withholding that from you, you're missing a huge part of your health journey. And I think that's what I began to realize. And so it's had to look like, how can I take care of the things that are within my realm of control and learn enough to make one better decision at a time. And that's really how I've had to look at it because at first I tried to make all the better decisions at a time and I was like miserable. And so it wasn't from a place, it was like begrudging. It was like, I gotta do this and I can't eat gluten and I can't eat that. And like, no, I can't go there. And I just felt so like, I'm the broken one of the group. Like I'm the defective one and I've got to fix all this stuff, you know? And that's kind of an attitude of like, it's all in my hands, right? Um, and so there was a moment where, when I was trying to let go of that, some of that, it was almost like tempting to swing into the opposite extreme to like, whatever, it doesn't matter. My health doesn't matter anyway. Cause like clearly, you know, it's so easy to just go from one of those extremes. So I've had to try to come back to this, like, how do I remember to do the things that are within my realm of control in a way that is enjoyable and feels like it's from a place of worship and thanks versus from a place of like anger, angst, control, fear, Mm. Et um, and so it's more of just kind of ebbing and flowing and, and having accountability is a huge thing that's helpful for me too like sometimes my husband's like Jay I know you don't like to eat canola oil but we're gonna go out to eat and we might cook it in canola oil because we need to go on a date like, <laughs> that are like you know in your life that are like you know and just and so I've really tried to shift into the, like the 80 20 rule is the way I try to do it where if 80% of the time I can be you know using the products I feel best about and eating the way that feels good for me 20% of the time I can live my life and not worry about it. And that's taken me almost two years to get to that place mindset wise. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been really freeing to get to that place. And I still try to be careful. You know, if I know, okay, it's been more 50, 50 this week because I've been traveling, then I try to make the adjustment in a way that feels enjoyable still. But um, yeah, it's just, I think having that mindset sometimes takes a little while to adjust, but understanding like God did design our bodies. And I have to remember God designed our bodies to work well. And so we can do some things to support their ability to work well, but also like we can't avoid living our lives and living in the world and being present because that's going to create so much more stress um, and, and start pushing us to that other extreme of like, it's all on me. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding like you've given me things to steward and things I can do well. And I always go back to, sorry, I'm rambling a lot, but I just, I meant to say this, the, the, the picture of the garden, like when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the very first job God gave to humankind was to tend to a garden. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember is like, not only just like a physical garden, but like our life and our health, like the things that we eat, the food that we prepare, the home, the home that we take care of, like that's the garden we've been given to steward. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be this, like, I don't think Adam and Eve were walking around like, oh my gosh, we got to make this tree grow. It was like, oh, the tree will grow. I just need to water it. Mm -hmm. Right. And totally. so I think if we can keep that, okay, like, okay, the things will work how they're supposed to work. If I can just do the things that are within my realm of control, but I can't force a tree to grow. I can just steward it. I can't force yes. my body to heal, but I can steward it. Mm -hmm. And I think shifting to that mindset of like, this is my garden to steward. How do I do it well? Really shifts from obsession and control or complete apathy to stewardship. Mm -hmm. 
That's beautiful. I love this whole conversation and it's, it's been weighing really heavily on me in this season. What is the boundary of trying to pursue control and making health my God? Um, and I feel like the Lord keeps pressing that kind of into my heart and into my brain because, you know, we're kind of in a season where we feel like we're, we're in limbo, right? With my son in particular, he's got really severe allergies, you know, we're trying to find healing for him. And so, you know, I, as mama bear, I'm like, we're doing all the appointments. We're, you know, we're doing all the supplements. We're going to do everything. And my son, you know, not, not so much, um, maybe verbally, but I can tell internally, he's kind of like, can we stop a little bit? Like, can we stop going to so many appointments? And it just, I don't know. It was almost like a slap in the face, a gentle slap, let's say in the face over these past couple of weeks, but just the Lord sort of reminding me, you know, I am the original healer. Like I am the author of life. I'm the one that is, you know, truly um, the father of your children, right? Like I gave them to you on this earth. I gave you this body to steward well on earth. But at the end of the day, you know, the Lord is still good and sovereign and kind. And there is this threshold that we can cross into making health our God instead of, you know, seeing the Lord as our God. And so I just really love this conversation because I think that, um, you know, my first exposure into sort of the pro-metabolic world was this impression that everybody's health was perfect, that, you know, everybody, we had this list of, you know, your metabolic markers and, the goal is to get all of those perfect. And then you just live there and you just stay there. But that's not the reality. You know, we can work towards health. We can work towards seeing our bodies improve, but we are still going to live in a society that's bombarded by toxins. We're still going to live in a world that is, you know, marked by sickness and sin and illness. You know, we can't escape these things, but we can also do the best that we can. And we can also, um, you know, I love what you said about like picturing yourself in the presence of Jesus and what would you how would you honor your body if you were truly in the presence of God? And I think that's really just beautiful. Um, and I'm curious for you, Jordan, you know, I know that you said you came from adrenal fatigue and, you know, maybe some thyroid and, or, and hormone and skin uh, stuff, like all of those things. I'm curious, what has pursuing healing your metabolism meant for all of those things? You know, what, what sort of changes have you seen along this journey? That's a good question. So I definitely noticed improvements in my skin, which has been kind of an up and down. I, I think I had this sure. expectation that my skin would be like point A to point B, like straight mm -hmm. journey. I've actually had pockets where it's like improved for a while. And then uh, I have to make another adjustment because it kind of goes back a little bit. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of up and down, but I definitely feel like I noticed more sustainable improvement with my skin. Um, I actually used to struggle with something very like frequently and I haven't had it in like six or seven months, which is a long span of time for me not to have it. It's called tinea versicolor, which is just like white spots all over my skin. Um, and that's, I don't even really know what triggers that, but it's mm. like, we all have yeast on our skin and some people are more like prone to it affecting just, I don't know. Anyway, I would get this flare up of tinea versicolor like every couple of months. And I used to treat it with like antibiotics and stuff, which obviously <laughs> is not the goal anymore. Um, but anyways, I was kind of more on my holistic journey. So I was trying to heal it with like sulfur soap and like natural remedies, which definitely help. Um, but I think I've also noticed as I like increase my calorie intake from like 1400 calories a day to like over 2000 a day and just eating more nourishing foods and things like that. I haven't really seen it come back since wow. um, like, it's been almost, it's been like eight, almost eight months now, um, which is a long period of time for it to not be coming back or flaring back up. So I'll see how it goes this summer. Cause that's usually when it's the worst, but it's been great so far. So that's been encouraging to see. Um, my cortisol levels are back to, um, like a normal curve. I mean, my cortisol levels, like did this little, like cute little, like step in the morning and <laughs> there was no like, normal curve. And, a lot, and at first, when I saw my results, I was like, Oh good. I'm not as stressed as I thought. 
And then my dietitian and provider I was working with on this, they were like, no, that means your like stress is in the toilet. And like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, so it's a bad thing. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, your stress was so high for so long that it just like crashed. And so anyways, about six months, six to eight months after learning that, I had started on a healing journey before I really even discovered pro-metabolic. And I think a lot of those changes helped where I was just limiting blue light and sleeping more and mm-hmm. trying to eat more whole foods, which those changes alone made a big difference, but then oh, it just sure. very restrictive. So then that's when I added in the layer of pro-metabolic a lot more. Um, and I think that's where it's really even just, I have more natural energy. I don't drink. I used to rely on coffee. Like mm. I drink two to three double shot lattes a day. Like, yeah. Whoa. Like, that's what I mean. Like, no wonder I had adrenal fatigue. Um, <laughs> and, and now I don't drink coffee at all. Like occasionally I might have a decaf for fun, but I don't even need it. And I don't even desire mm-hmm. it, which is a huge freeing thing for me because it was like what I, my lifeblood at 24, 25 years old, like I should have natural energy. Wow. Um, and I sleep well, like I have natural energy when I wake up. Um, I have painless periods for the most part. I never really had super painful periods anyway, but it was like nothing that was like debilitating. But if I had to say like before a lot of this, I would say my like the first day or two of my cycle, my pain would be at like a four or five, maybe like a four. Um, and now it's like, sometimes not even noticeable. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be like, Oh, I didn't even, you know, so it's been interesting to see how, even what was interesting is when I was doing a lot of the whole 30 stuff and eating like super restrictive and clean and almond milk and all the stuff. Um, I was told like, if you don't have any kind of issue beyond like that should take away your period pain. And in some ways, maybe it made it a little better, but I was still noticing I was getting cramps. And I was like, does this mean I have like something wrong with me? Like, could I have individual? Could I have this out of the other thing that I've just not discovered? And then when I started layering in the pro-metabolic piece, pretty much every cycle, once I started, that was, was completely painless. Wow. Um, wow. And so I was like, oh, maybe I just needed some more nutrients, like go figure. So anyway, um, those are some of the initial changes that I've noticed and improvements where I think the initial changes from just eating whatever or being more not whatever, but I guess from not doing anything to now I'm going to eat super restrictive whole food only, like that was helpful for, to a degree, but then it just kind of plateaued. And in fact, I started to feel like it kind of regressed after a while, like it made some initial improvement and then layering in the pro metabolic piece, I feel like has created more sustainable change for sure. Mm. I love what you said. Well, not that what you said was positive, but I love the point you made about like feeling like something was wrong, like something was broken with you whenever you were experiencing like semi-painful periods when you were doing whole 30 And it brings me to this concept of a lot of women, myself included, um, going through something in my past and feeling like my body is like broken, like just being like, oh, my body's broken and really just like claiming that over yourself and um, kind of making your suffering like your identity. I think there was this, I actually like specifically remember, there was like a pivotal moment where I felt like I had a choice back when I had endometriosis to like choose to be the endometriosis girl or like choose to believe that my body could heal. And I wonder if you have any words of encouragement to a woman who is suffering right now with X, Y, and Z, um, and feeling like her body is broken. What would you say to a woman who, who is suffering right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have carried that. Like, I mean, I even stopped sharing about my losses after a little while because I just felt like everybody looking at me like the go-to miscarriage girl. And I was like, hello, like that is a very small part of who I am. Like, thank you very much. So I had to basically stop talking about it for a while because it was draining. Mm. Um, but I think, and, and I was already struggling with identifying like, well, I guess this is just the way it's always going to be, you know? Um, and so for anyone who finds themselves struggling with whether that's chronic skin issues or 
hormone issues or loss or anything and just feeling like your body betrayed you. I just want to remind you, like, there's a difference between living in a broken world and having a body that betrays you. Like, it's because like your Mm -hmm. body will experience brokenness, period. Like full stop. It just will, because it like lives in an environment that isn't really completely set up for its thriving are things we can do to help it thrive more but at the end of the day we do live in a world like you said Fallon of like sick sickness sin brokenness disease like we live in a fallen world and so the reality is like our bodies inevitably like they're not immune to brokenness and in one way or the other we will walk through it it will look different for all of us um but just know that like just because your body lives in a broken world and may face the battles of and, and, and experience like the, the touch of that doesn't mean that your body has betrayed you or that your body is a bad body. And I think that's the shift of how it had to view it of like, that's not your whole identity. Your hormone mm-hmm. struggle, the fact that you might have acne, the fact that maybe you've lost a child or a baby in utero, like that's not a defining factor of the value of your body and its ability to, to I mean, a whole thing that I like struggled with was like, my body is not a vessel of life and that's what it's supposed to be. Like, mm-hmm. I just, my kids, dying like what is up with that and I had this whole thing like and my therapist that I was meeting with for a while she said be careful how I'm going to end with this because this was something that I've had to really hold on to she said be careful how many times you think that because it only takes 200 thoughts to become a belief and I remember thinking like okay well I think I've already thought it like 404 times so like Mm -hmm. what do I do with that and um it was a big I, I guess it was just a big turning point for me to look at it like I'm allowing these thoughts that my experience informs, right? Like our experience informs how we view things, how we see things, but I'm allowing it to like almost become a belief that is solidified in me. And the problem with that is once it becomes a belief, it's really hard to dig up. And so, I mean, one thing that I I did that was like a really helpful physical activity was I was gardening one day and I was trying to get out these like big monster weeds that I'd grown like in this back planting bed. Like they were like as tall as me and I just could not get them out. And so I started assigning each weed a lie. And I just was like, this is the lie that my body has betrayed me. And for whatever reason, like when I had this like reason, I was like, it was like a visual representation of like ripping it out of my own like heart and mind. Mm -hmm. I found this like superhuman strength and was like able to like rip this thing out of the ground. Um, And then I would assign another lie. This is the lie that God forgot about me like this, you know, and, and so I think if there's something you can do in your life, if you're struggling with this one, remember that you live in a fallen world. And so it may not be that your body betrayed you. It might just be that your body's been touched by brokenness as all of ours are. Um, But also maybe try to find an activity where you can like kind of almost like detox the beliefs that have started to take root, whether that's yanking weeds out of a garden or, th- or decluttering your closet and throwing away old things that are taking up space that don't need to be like those physical activities sometimes can just help us like reset our minds. I don't know. That was just really helpful for me in my own experience. Um, and yeah, just ultimately remember like if you can, that your body can heal. It just may take time. And I think that's the biggest thing is I wanted my body to heal overnight. I was like, oh, I'm going to do these things. And in three months, we'll be like good to go. And it's actually been a long healing journey. It's been like a year and a half or more of this journey and this process. And I feel like I haven't arrived. I don't know that you ever like fully arrive. It's just mm-hmm. we've improved. And I'm thankful for the progress we've made. So anyway, yeah. that's a lot of rambling, but that's what I would say. <laughs> no, it was absolutely beautiful. I'm glad that you said all of that. It was, it was just so precious, I think, um, for all of us to hear just that reminder. Um, and as we wrap up, can you tell us about your most recent book that's out and your mentorship program? And then tell us where we can connect with you from this episode. Absolutely. So the next book that is 
coming out. It comes out April 5th. It's called Embrace Your Almost, Find Clarity and Contentment in the In-Betweens, Not Quites and Unknowns. And it's really designed to help you find contentment where you are. Like, how can I make the most of where I'm at, even if I'm not where I want to be, even if I haven't achieved the health I want to achieve, even if I haven't got the outcome I want to get to, like, how can I really enjoy the journey and not just make it something that I endure, but something that I enjoy and really learn like active contentment. And so that's the first part of the book, but the other part of the book is really meant to lean into these seasons of in-between, like I'm not quite where, where I want to be in my journey, or I thought I'd be here, but instead I'm still here, um, or I'm just in this waiting season and this like just feels like a big unknown, like I have no idea when I'm, I'm going to get to the other side. There's this weird like opportunity, I would call it, or invitation that I think exists in that, in that space of being not quite where you want to be, and that is to really get clear on where you're going and why. Mm-hmm. Um, the single most important question is why. And I think kind of like what I mentioned in the beginning, the world is constantly shouting at us that you can have it all and therefore you should want to have it all. And this book is kind of meant to disrupt that narrative and say, actually, what, what do you want? Like, what is right for you? What do you value? What does the Lord put on your heart that is right for you to pursue in this season? Um, and to get really clear on where you're going and why, because I think ultimately this, this, this book was really informed by my experience, because like I said, my losses were kind of a catalyst, not only to my health journey, but also just to how I shift like my work, my mission, all of this. And in a weird way, it was kind of a gift to uncover things that otherwise, like I didn't even mention this, but in my process, I uncovered things like the start of autoimmune, like, and I was, I've been able to kind of reverse that process. Um, and so my point is the book is written to help you get clear and to sift away a lot of the distractions because the world's constantly shouting at us, like you can do all the things. And that really, I think my almost of like almost becoming a mom, almost, you know, and mm-hmm. almost a lot of other things that are lighter that are in the book as well. It's not just this like deep, heavy book. Um, it, it was this catalyst to going, what am I pursuing and why? And that experience really shifted a lot of my views on what I valued when it came to work. A lot of the dreams I thought I wanted, I was like, I don't actually think I need to pursue that. I just thought I did because that sounded cool on the Uh internet. You know what I mean? So anyways, it's about (laughs) clarity and contentment when you find yourself in the valley. Um, So anyways, you can find that anywhere books are sold. You can follow me on Instagram, Jordan Lee Dooley. And I have a mentorship program as well, like you mentioned, that's really meant to help you get clear on what what did God design you to do? Mm Because I think a lot of us, and I find that women like as we talk about clarity, clarity is our greatest currency. It can help us be a better resource of our time and of our resources when it comes to money and everything else. Um, And I think a lot of women are constantly going through changing seasons, whether that's, I just became a mom and now the work I thought I was going to do no longer fits me or my kids just left the nest and now I'm wanting something new, you know? And so the mentorship is really designed to help you figure out what's the next right thing for you in this season of your life in a way that's going to really help you do it in a way that supports your health and well-being. So anyways, all of that can be found on my website and Instagram, Jordan Lee Dooley book, podcast, mentorship, all the things. Amazing. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. And we will leave links to all of this in the show notes. And you guys that are listening, we'll see you guys in the next episode.